we, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Well, hello, friends and fellow citizens. This is Tom Zawistowski, and you're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Radio Broadcast and Podcast. And uh, I am the host of uh, this show. I'm also the president of the We the People Convention, which is the uh, sponsor of this show. And uh, our donors, uh, like you, have uh, raised the money so that we can have this five-station radio network on every Saturday in Ohio. And you can uh, learn about that radio network by going to our website at wethepeopleconvention.org. We have stations uh, right now in Cleveland. We have two stations, WHKW 1220. uh, That airs a show at 9 a.m. on Saturdays. And then we have WHK 1420, which airs a show at 7.30 on Saturday mornings. And then uh, in Columbus, we have WTOH 98.9 FM. They air the show at 8.30 a.m. And then uh, in the southeast, we have WWVA, 1170 a.m. from Wheeling, West Virginia. Hi to everybody down there in uh, East Ohio and southwest Pennsylvania. They are the show at 730 a.m. And then WCVX, 1160 a.m. in Florence, Kentucky, services the uh, Cincinnati, Dayton area and parts of Kentucky. Welcome to all of you who are listening uh, from that station. If you get our emails, you should have gotten uh, a flyer uh, with your last email, and if you don't get our emails, go to wethepeopleconvention.org and right on the front page, you just put in your email and your zip code and you'll start getting our emails. And we sent out a a little uh, eight and a half by 11 sheet that you could print and cut into uh, little flyers that you can hand out to help promote the show. And we thank all of you who are doing that. uh, And it's having results. We were happy to find out this week uh, that it looks like our listenership and the the Cleveland market was up 15% uh, since we've been doing the show. And uh, we're seeing some movement in our other markets. So we hope that you are telling people about the We the People Convention News and Opinion Radio Show because we think it's important uh, for them to tune in and and get a news summary. That's what this is. It's a news summary show where they can learn the truth about the news and also the news that affects them. So as if you've been listening to this show every week, you know that uh, we kind of go through all the news throw out all the nonsense, all the noise, and try to focus on news that really affects us and really, uh, you know, we need to know about to protect our own individual freedom and liberty and prosperity. So, um, you know, that's what this show is about, and we're glad you decided to join us uh, today for our seventh uh, broadcast of the, of, the, of 2020. All right, so let's see if we can get on with uh, the news that's important. And uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is the New Hampshire primary, uh, but not for the reasons that, you know, most newscasts will talk about it because again we care about what uh you know what affects us 
as you uh, probably know, uh, Bernie Sanders, the communist, uh, won the New Hampshire primary uh, with about 26% of the vote to uh, Buttigieg, who got uh, 24%, and Amy Klobuchar uh, got 20%. And so, you know, that was, uh, you know, a big deal that uh, Sanders won. But but that's not the real story, folks. That That's the thing that I want to talk to you about. You know, one of the things that we've discussed uh, on this show a lot is kind of watching the trends because, you know, we're trying to protect our individual freedom and liberty and prosperity. That means we need to reelect Donald J. Trump for as president because it's his policies that are creating this freedom and, and, and liberty and prosperity. And so we're looking to see how things are playing out and, and what we should be worried about. What I want you to share with you uh, as far as the turnout in, uh, in New Hampshire is that basically the, the Democrats are having a hard time. Even though bon, Bernie Sanders won that uh, primary, he, he only got 26% of the vote. Well, in 2016, when he ran against Hillary Clinton, he got 60% of the votes, folks. He got 60% of the vote. That's a huge drop-off from 60 to 27%. And, and here's another number for you that will surprise you. You know, Mer Bernie's all about the young kids, and we're all being told that all you old people, you know, you're going to be replaced by all these young people who are so angry at Donald Trump and so in love with socialism, and they're going to come out and change the world. Yeah, well, here's a statistic for you. Uh, for voters ages 17 to 29, so you would call that the youth vote, um, in this election, only 17% turned out compared to 19% in 2016. So there were actually less voters, you know, for uh, Bernie, uh, young people, than there were in 2016. And then here's some other numbers I want to share with you. Um, let's see. They were very excited in, in New Hampshire about the total number of ballots. They had 295,000 people vote in the Democratic primary, and that was a record, okay? And while you know the numbers in New Hampshire are better for Democrats than those in Iowa, it's worth noting that in the first in the nation primary, uh, they allow voters registered with either party to vote in whichever primary they choose. And so since Donald Trump wasn't even opposed, uh, it was it was clear that a lot of independents voted in the Democratic primary, accounting for the, this record turnout. But another caveat is that in 2020, New Hampshire has about 89,000 more eligible voters than they did 12 years ago. So that means that 26% of eligible voters cast a ballot in primary this year compared to 29% in the opening contest between Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton in 2008. So do you see what's going on? They had a bigger turnout, but they actually have more population, and the turnout was not as big as a percentage as when Barack Obama ran in, in 20, uh, 2008, okay, which is their big year. But, but the bottom line is the big problem that they've got and the problem that we have is that there's a communist. Bernie Sanders is a communist. He's actually being allowed to run in the Democratic Party. So those of you who are Democrats listening to this show, this just shows you that you've lost your party. And not only did he get to run, he won. But Tim Ryan, the Ohio congressman from up here in the Youngstown area, he had some pretty harsh comments to say uh, after the New Hampshire election. Listen to this. I personally am, am very, very concerned about uh, some of the folks who are running 
Uh, I think, you know, if we run under a democratic socialist banner uh, in 50 states, I think we lose the industrial Midwest. I think we lose 48 states. I think we lose working class union voters who have negotiated their private health care uh, and want to keep it. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to be forced into a, uh, a public health care system. Uh, you lose those voters. And I think some of the other issues as well, I, I think that would be disastrous for us. I think Joe Biden is the absolute best candidate for us. I think he beats Donald Trump in the swing states, uh, in the industrial Midwest. And, uh, and it's going to be a new day in America. So we're excited about getting that started, starting tonight in South Carolina. So, you know, there you hear Tim Ryan, who basically says if the Democratic Party has Bernie Sanders as their, you know, uh, their candidate uh, after the, you know, the convention, that they could lose 48 states. And, and he's right about that. I mean, you know, this is the thing that the, you know, the, the left and the media doesn't want to tell you, but, but this is a non-starter in most of the country. And he was totally wrong about Joe Biden. Joe Biden can't beat anybody. Joe Biden's never beat anybody. Joe Biden's a fool. And the people in the Democratic Party who actually thought that this is the guy that could beat Trump, that tells you how clueless they are about the American people and what we're looking for. Joe Biden's a bumbling idiot. He never had a chance to win anything. And, and they're just trying to keep him alive so they can try to do something about Bernie. But as we said before, you know, we think the answer for them is going to be, um, you know, Bloomberg. We think Bloomberg is going to write the check and he's going to come in. And we're not afraid of that. We Trump will beat Bloomberg, you know, hands down, no problem. I don't care how much money Bloomberg spends. But, but and then why do I say that? Well, here's some more statistics. I don't want to beat you to death with statistics. I know it's hard when you're listening on the radio, you know, to you know to deal with all these statistics. But but again, we're tracking trends that you need to be aware of and that affect us. So here's the bottom line. The story in New Hampshire wasn't that they got 295,000 people to vote in the Democratic primary. The story in New Hampshire was that Donald Trump running basically unopposed got 114,466 votes in the Republican primary. He's, he's basically there's no contest. Let me put that in perspective for you. Okay, I've got a chart that that uh, was put out by this uh, this uh, one website, and they said perhaps what is really astonishing is the turnout of incumbent Trump. For the turnout of incumbents going back to Reagan in New Hampshire, here are the respective counts. Barack Obama got 49,000 votes. George W. Bush got 53,000. Ronald Reagan got 65,000. And Bill Clinton got 76,000. Donald Trump had 114,466 votes without even the final numbers in yet. And he more than doubled Obama's number, the most recent past president. That's why this is looking so good for Donald Trump. The turnout was unbelievable for Trump. And that's what you need to know about this. Now, there were some other shenanigans going on. And this is kind of, for those of you listening and watching around the country on the podcast, this is kind of some inside baseball nonsense. But we, we, can't, we can't pass up the chance to take a shot at our buffoon uh, governor, former Governor John Kasich and his uh, sidekick, Matt Borges. So it was leaked in the New York Post that uh, embittered never-Trump Republicans tied to former Ohio Governor John Kasich has secretly schemed to assist Joe Biden's campaign because they think he is the only Democrat who can beat the president and help them get revenge, the Post has learned. Emails obtained by the Post show that two 
Top staffers from Kasich's failed 2016 primary campaign and Ohio's former GOP chairman, that would be Matt the Loser Borges, a Kasich ally, were among those involved in efforts to boost support for the former vice president and last week's botched Iowa caucus and Tuesday's New Hampshire primary. Funding the plan came largely from two deep-pocketed Democrat donors, former Microsoft President John Shirley and his wife Kimberly, who made maximum contributions to Biden and hosted a fundraiser for him last year. They think Biden is the only candidate who can beat Trump at the general election, said a, a GOP source familiar with the strategy. The project failed miserably, with Biden coming in a distant fourth place last week. So this is former Republican governor of Ohio, John Kasich, and former president, Republican pro, uh, presidential candidate, who's now a paid CNN contributor, is actually working for the Democrats to elect Joe Biden over Donald Trump. What a scumbag. John Kasich, you're just such a scumbag. And to you call yourself a Republican, you were never a Republican. And we called you out for that your whole term. And, and I'm so glad that we in the Tea Party opposed you so vehemently because we knew who you were when you threw the, uh, the right to work vote in Ohio and, and, and have hurt our economy so much because you were so much in the pocket of the Democrats and George Soros. And oh yeah, folks, George Soros gave John Kasich $500,000 for his uh, primary, Republican primary campaign. So good to see him get his com- comeuppance and get uh, exposed. Let me ex- expose one more thing that's really important. So Buttigieg wins Iowa, you know, but he doesn't really win Iowa. You know, he gets less votes than Bernie Sanders, but gets more delegates. Only in the Democratic Party does that crap happen. Okay. But now he's the moderate, right? Buttigieg is the moderate that, that uh, the country should look to. This guy is no moderate. You can't make this stuff up. Pete Buttigieg won an essay contest in high school defending socialism and praising Bernie Sanders. In an essay, Pete Buttigieg in 2000 praises Bernie Sanders and his unapologetic stand for socialism. And here's some of the essay. I'm just going to read you a little bit from the essay. Buttigieg writes, fortunately for the political process, there remain a number of committed individuals who are steadfast enough in their beliefs to run for office to benefit their fellow Americans. Such people are willing to eschew political and personal comfort and convenience because they believe they can make a difference. One outstanding and inspiring example of such integrity is the country's only independent congressman, Vermont's Bernie Sanders. Sanders' courage is evident in the first word he uses to describe himself, socialist. In a country where communism is still the dirtiest ideological dirty word, in a climate where even liberalism is considered radical, and socialism is immediately and perhaps willfully confused with communism, a politician dares to call himself a socialist. He does indeed. That's Buttigieg writing about Sanders, and they're trying to tell you that he's a moderate. He's a commie. The Communist Party has taken over the Democratic Party, and Buttigieg is no moderate, okay? And he's not going to be their nominee, and if he was, he's not going to win either because his policies are so screwed up, it's unbelievable. And just look at what a failed mayor he is in Fort Wayne, Indiana, if you want to see somebody that doesn't have a record to run on. So maybe there's an explanation for all this stuff. And so this is a little tongue-in-cheek, but uh, there was a survey that came out and says, 
survey finds people who identify as left-wing more likely to have been diagnosed with a mental illness. The data speaks for itself. A new survey of more than 8,000 people has found that those who identify with left-wing political beliefs are more likely to have been diagnosed with a mental illness. Ann Coulter's liberalism is a mental disorder and, and Trump derangement syndrome catchphrases have become something of a cliched meme, but the data appears to support it. The survey carried out by Slate Star Codex, an online survey uh, group, collected a wealth of data from respondents about their education, demographics, and lifestyles, and political views. The results show that people who occupy the farthest left end of the political spectrum are more likely to have been formally diagnosed with depression, borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, or schizophrenia. In addition, the results show that the highest percentage of respondents, 38%, who admit being diagnosed with forms of mental illness, also identify themselves as Marxists. In comparison, just 12.1% of conservatives say they have been diagnosed with a mental disorder. That's a great way to, to wrap up our, our report on the New Hampshire primary and the Democratic you know, presidential race. We're going to take a little break. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion uh, radio broadcast and podcast. And my name is Tom Zawistowski. As Merrick, president of Liberty Camp for Kids in Portage County, Ohio. Liberty Camp for Kids is where students in grades one through six experience the founding of our nation. This year's camp will be held from July 20th through the 24th from 9 till noon. The cost is $30 per camper. If you're interested in our camp, being a volunteer, or even starting one of your own, go to www.LibertyCampForKids.com. Buckeye Firearms Association is Ohio's number one gun rights organization, protecting the rights of Ohio's 4 million gun owners. And you can get our weekly gun rights newsletter free. Receive breaking news and urgent alerts on gun laws. Stay up to date on self-defense and shooting sports. Discover pro-gun activities and events near you. Get your free gun rights newsletter now at bfanews.org. That's bfanews.org. bfanews.org. All right, and we're back, and we appreciate you being with us. Um, the next topic I want to discuss, which obviously affects all of us, and this is the, uh, the debt and the deficit. Um, if you go to wethepeopleconvention.org, you will see a, uh, an article that I published uh, that talks about tr uh, President Trump's proposed 2021 budget. And in this budget, he slashes $4.4 trillion in spending over 10 years and basically tries to you know, create you know, a, a balanced budget right, to stop the deficit spending. Uh, in his uh, budget, and his budget is $4.8 trillion for fiscal 2021, he cuts foreign aid by 21% and reduces certain social, social safety net programs. He also allocates $2 billion for the southern border wall and increases funding for NASA and the Department of Veterans Affairs and Homeland Security. And so he released his budget and Already, you know, the, the left is out talking about he's cutting Medicaid and he's cutting Medicare and he's cutting Social Security and all the entitlement programs. See, what you, folks, what you need to understand is that in, in Washington, D.C., they also have a mental illness. And what they their mental illness is, is that w when you get more money, but it's less money than you want, they call that a cut. OK, 
Now, I, I'm not making that up. That's literally what happens. So they have all these things where they've been getting, let's say they were getting a billion dollars last year, and they're going to get $1.1 billion this year, but they asked for $1.3 billion. In Washington, they call that a cut. So when you hear the Democrats and the media screaming that Donald Trump is going after your Social Security, this is what they've done for decades to try to keep elderly people from voting for Republicans. It's a lie. It's a lie, okay? What President Trump does do in this budget is he talks about cutting the, the fraud that's part of, of Medicaid. There's something like $89 billion in Medicaid is, is paid out wrongly, okay? And the, and the cutting out the, you know, the fraud in our foreign uh, aid to countries, right? But here's, the, here's the, what you need to understand. This budget's going nowhere. President Trump has passed three budgets. They completely ignore them. Until we take back the House of Representatives, there is no way to pass this budget, all right? And quite frankly, even when the Republicans were in charge, they didn't do the budget either because what they do is they, they there hasn't been a real budget passed. I, I forget the number. I think it's like in 15 years. And when I say a real budget, I mean one that follows the process. And the process is the president submits his budget. This is what I want to Congress. They go through all their appropriations committees where your elected representatives sit, and our representatives can, can propose amendments, can vote on passage, and they come out with all the appropriations passed. And then that is supposed to go to the Senate, who then makes changes they want to make, and then it comes to the, a, a committee that reconciles that budget, and then it goes to the president to be signed. None of that happens. What they do, because they're controlled by special interests and big government and big business and K Street and the Chamber of Commerce, what you're going to see is they're going to just play political games with this budget and come this September, they're going to pass another CR, which is called a continuing resolution. And a CR is you can just kick the ball down the road. A CR says we're going to spend the same money we've been spending in the last year and we're going to add some money to it because of political priorities. And there's going to be no process at all. And that decision is made with like, I don't know, four people in the room. It'll be McConnell and Schumer, Pelosi and Meadows in the room. Not your representative. Our whole system is broken. So don't get too aggravated about Donald Trump's budget. And don't blame Donald Trump for our debt, okay, because... He doesn't have any ability to address that right now until we take the House back. And then, I have to warn you, we're still not going to be sure once we take the House back if the Republicans, who are all getting elected because they're getting big checks from the Chamber of Commerce and other special interests, will vote with Donald Trump for the people. We're not sure of that. And if they don't, our hope is that in 2024, uh, 2022, when Trump is in the middle of his next uh, uh, term, that he'll recognize that these Republicans aren't with him and aren't with the people, and he will endorse people that we put up to run against the rhinos and actually put into law all the things that we've been trying to do with Donald Trump since he's been president. Okay, so don't listen to what the Democrats and the media say. Trump's not cutting your Social Security or your Medicare or any of that stuff. He is, if you look at this budget, you'll see his priorities are our priorities, okay? But it's not going anywhere, at least for another year. So don't worry about it. 
Something you should worry about, though, is what's happening, you know, in, in D.C. And, and this is, you know, just strap on your helmets, kids, because this is important and it's important to me. And I'm going to get after this a little bit. So you should know that uh, Trump had Alexander Vindman and his brother. And Vindman is one of the guys who worked with Adam Schiff to set up this phony impeachment because of the, the phone call with Ukraine that wasn't a crime. So Vindman was reassigned and basically thrown out of the National Security Agency by Trump. And, and, and so the media is going crazy and saying, oh, that's retaliation. You know, this guy's a war hero. You shouldn't, you know, do that. Well, you know what? Yeah, we should do that. This guy tried to stab the President of the United States in the back when he works for the President of the United States. And he's a military officer. And Trump actually hinted that the military may be investigating Vindman for court-martial because of what he did. I think the guy deserves to be court-martialed. And he certainly deserves to be drummed out of the military because he's, he's, a, he's a spy. He's a mole. He worked for John Brennan and, and Clapper and Obama. And he needed to go. So that was a good step. And, and Trump also on the same day got rid of uh, Sodom, the guy who's a, the ambassador to the EU, who also testified that not that Trump said there's a quid pro quo, not that, you know, he asked Trump, what do you want from Ukraine? And Trump said nothing. And yet this clown got in front of Schiff and talked about how he just presumed that Trump wanted a quid pro quo. Yeah, well, his job is gone too. And he should be gone. So here's another important piece of the puzzle, okay? Uh, it turns out that all four of the, uh, the, all four of the uh, people who were uh, on the Mueller team that went after Roger Stone, okay, all four of the prosecutors who went after Roger Stone, that they quit because A.G. Bill Barr withdrew the request for the judge to give Roger Stone a sentence of seven to nine years. Okay, so the four lawyers who prosecuted Roger Stone quit the case after the Justice Department overruled them and said it would take the extraordinary step of lowering the amount of prison time it would seek for President Trump's longtime ally and confidant. Okay, and so the departures, uh, you know, uh, have been blasted, you know, because they're considered, you know, horribly, you know, unfair and that Trump's meddling with all this, uh, you know, with this this case. But the fact of the matter are the four attorneys, including two who were early members of the special counsel Robert Trump's Robert Mueller's Russia team, comprised the entire Justice Department trial team that won the conviction against Stone. The fact of the matter is, folks, that these lawyers were part of the Mueller team who leaked. Remember when they leaked to CNN that Roger Stone was going to be arrested and they had all these SWAT team members break into his house in the middle of the night? Well, these guys did that. These guys have falsified information. These guys have prosecuted this guy for political reasons. And what it looks like they did is they lied to the Justice Department when they said what they were going to ask for. And then when they went to court, they asked for a much harsher sentence. And Bill Barr apparently didn't like that. And he called it back. So this is more proof that in the DOJ, these coup criminals are still active. And they're still trying to get Trump in trouble because what they're trying to do with this is get Trump to, to, uh, you know, to interfere, quote unquote, so that they could claim a new impeachment saying that this was, you know, that he was interfering with justice, not obstruction of Congress like they tried to do, which isn't a crime you know, in, in the last impeachment. But they're going to say obstruction of justice. It's a setup. 
these guys need to be looked at and they need to be hunted down and 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 if they broke any laws they need to be charged because this is all criminals in our FBI and DOJ who are doing this stuff so let's go on to the next criminal it turns out that uh, the black ledger that was uh, given to the Mueller team and was part of the Russia Russia collusion deal that this this ledger, which was basically supposed to be financial transactions that Manafort had done, okay, Paul Manafort, who was Trump's campaign manager for a little while, that that in Ukraine they had this this ledger that they gave to the Mueller team and that they gave to the FBI and the DOJ. It now turns out it was totally fake. According to new reports by investigative journalist John Solomon, a key piece of evidence used to justify Robert Mueller's investigation of alleged links between associates of President Donald Trump and Russian officials has been proven to be a complete fabrication. Okay, a complete fabrication. The ledger emerged in Kiev during the 2016 election and purported to show that Manafort had taken cash payments from Russian-backed politicians in Ukraine for his work as a consultant in the region. Solomon wrote Thursday in his new media venture, Just the News, that according to a written summary of an April 2018 special counsel interview, former Trump campaign aide Rick Gates told Federal Investigations working for Mueller that the ledger was completely made up. April 2018, it was totally made up. What did the Mueller team do? Keep using it. Keep using it. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. So here's what's going on. And this is how you read the tea leaves, folks. This is what's going on. So I know a lot of you are aware that Rudy Giuliani has been to Ukraine and has all these affidavits and all kinds of evidence about what was going on in Ukraine with Joe Biden and, and his son, Hunter Biden, okay? And, and what the Ukraine was doing to interfere with our election and work with the Clintons, right? Because So don't forget, I mean, the Steele dossier and all that stuff, the, 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 the Clintons, you know, campaign actually met with the Ukraine ambassador asking them to come up with dirt on Trump, which is where this black ledger came out. This fake ledger came out. See, and, and the Democrats all want to tell you about Trump coordination with foreign countries to win the election. Remember, the left, Saul Alinsky, whatever they say about you is what they're doing. They're the ones who coordinated with Ukraine and with Russia and the Steele dossier. They're the one who was using foreign companies, countries to affect the U.S. election. So it's so bad that A.G. Bill Barr has taken all the information that Rudy Giuliani has gathered and he's assigned it for the Pittsburgh office of the U.S. attorney in Pittsburgh to handle that information. Okay, the attorney's name is Scott Brady was chosen to, you know, to do this because Bill Barr can't even trust the people in his own Washington, D.C. office. They had to move it out of D.C. just like they had to put Durham in Connecticut. So now what do you got? Now you got the Dems, and I guess Elizabeth Warren said today, we, we want to impeach Bill Barr. All these talking heads on MSNBC and stuff are talking about he needs to step down, that this is like a third world banana republic. Remember what I said? Whatever they say about you is what they're doing. What's a third world banana republic is when the, the state police, the Stasi, in our case, the FBI and the DOJ, are trying to overthrow a sitting president. That's a banana republic, okay? 
Not what Bill Barr's doing. Bill Barr is trying to reestablish the rule of law. And that's why I keep begging you, every one of you listen to this show and watch this podcast, to call Bill Barr and, and support him and tell him that the public, that we the people, need him to reestablish the rule of law. You can call him. Call his office at 202-353-1555. That's called Bill Barr at 202-353-1555 and tell him we're with him. We want him to investigate these criminals. We want to bring them to justice. Folks, if we don't do this, they're going to take Bill Barr out. This is the fight we have to fight. This is the most important thing you can do. I wouldn't ask you to do it if it wasn't important. You can also send him an email. If you go to justice.gov slash contact, you can, you can write him an email and choose attorney general and send it. Send them an email. If you don't know what to say, go to wethepeopleconvention.org and look at the, uh, you'll find an article, click on articles, you'll find an article that says, why we must demand equal justice. And on that page, I give you talking points and the links to send them, but the video itself will help you understand. This is our moment. We need to build a firewall around A.G. Bill Barr so that he can protect us and bring these criminals to justice. It's the most important thing. And I hope you will take action because that's what we do on our show, right? We don't just talk, we act. Going to take another short break. You're listening to the We the People News and uh, Convention, News and Opinion radio show and podcast. And I'm Tom Zawistowski. You can view the We the People Convention News and Opinion podcast anytime you want, 24-7, 365 days per year by just going to wethepeopleconvention.org. And then right on the front page, you'll see the, the podcast player. And if you click on the blue playlist, it'll show you all of our most recent podcasts. You can also find out by clicking on the yellow button on the front page and going to the We The People live podcast page of the website, where, how you can listen to the podcast on Facebook or YouTube on Roku TV or Amazon Fire TV and get a complete list of our stations that broadcast our, our podcast on the radio every Saturday morning, including a map with the Ohio stations indicated. So be sure to tune in when it's convenient for you. And if you have comments about this show, don't hesitate to write to us at info at wethepeopleconvention.org and tell us what you think about the show or what topics you'd like us to cover. All right. So, you know, I hope that you will spread the word about the show and tell other people how they can get it. And, you know, I did announce this week that we are now, our podcast is now on iTunes and I'm hoping that it's going to be on iHeart uh, Radio on their podcast as well. And so, you know, we're, we're getting out there in more ways. We're on YouTube. You know, as we said, we're on other things. So I hope you're, you're able to get the, the podcast however you want it, whenever you want it. Um, I, I know that uh, I want to thank the people who've been uh, writing in and making donations of $25 to get uh, their, their brochures, the flyers that we put together that talk about, you know, it's, uh, you know we are living in the most prosperous times uh, in, in human uh, history. And why is that? How do we keep ourselves prosperous? And if you go to our website, um, you know, there's a page on our website. It's, it's, it's the economy, stupid, is what it says. It's the economy, stupid. And if you go to that page, you can actually download uh, a, a PDF 
that has got these brochures three up on, a, on an 8.5 by 11 page. And when you um, download that, you can just print it two-sided on a color copier and make your own. But if you can't do that, you can click links and you can you know, order brochures. And we've been getting those out right away. We've had orders from Tennessee. We've had orders from Florida. We've had them from all over Ohio. Um, so in Nevada, we had an order from Nevada. So you know, get your brochures, start educating your, the public about the economy and how this great economy happened so that they'll be more likely to vote for their own prosperity, which means vote for Donald Trump. Last week on our show, I talked to you about the Ohio Citizens PAC, which is the PAC that the We the People Convention uses to endorse conservative candidates throughout Ohio. But I want to bring to your attention a tool that you should be aware of, whether you're in Ohio or in other states. It's a very uh, good conservative uh, tool for looking at candidates in, in primary and general elections. It's called iVoterGuide.com, the letter I, VoterGuide.com. And if you go there, uh, it's it starts out with a, a place where you can put in your zip code and find your ballot, which is pretty cool. It, it, it'll actually look at the national voter database and pull up your ballot. But then you can scroll down and just click on your state and you will see uh, information about your election. So when I clicked on Ohio, it's giving you some uh, idea of how long it is to the election. It talks about the last day to register to vote, which is February 18th in Ohio. Um, it talks about when the early voting starts, which is Wednesday, February 19th in Ohio, and then when the election is, Tuesday, March 17th. You can register to vote online. You can check your voter registration, and, and you can really just you know get all the information you need about any candidate you want. If you scroll down on their page, you can click on the 2020 primary in Ohio, and it will show you all the races, starting with uh, you know congressional races, and it'll give you a little little meter that shows you, you know, how they rank people. Now, some of the people haven't filled out the information and aren't ranked, but others are. So you can see all the congressional races and who's conservative, who's not. Um, you can then, you know, get down into things like uh, state and, uh, you know, uh, reps in, uh, you know, the House districts and things of that nature. So it just keeps going and going and going. What I like about it is that uh, when you click on the candidate, you can also learn things about them that uh, are hard to find out previously. You can get a, a little bit of a biography on them. You can see which uh, groups support them and what their voter score is with those groups, both conservative and liberal groups, to help you, you know, make your decision. It's a very powerful tool. It's called iVoterGuide.com, and I really think that uh, you know it would be valuable to anyone that's trying to decide who they're going to vote for. Uh, in the Ohio primary and in other states as well. So I hope you'll go there and check it out at iVoterGuide.com. All right, so it's getting towards the end of the show. For those of you who are listening on the radio, uh, I want to make uh, one correction from last week. Uh, I had told you that there was going to be a sine wave in Westchester uh, County down in Southeast Ohio, and that has been canceled. It was supposed to be on the 15th, and uh, because of an illness of some of their leadership, they've had to cancel that, and they're going to try to reschedule that. So just uh, know that that sine wave is not going to take place. Um, 
uh, we're going to you know be wrapping up the radio show, uh, but the podcast will continue, and you can watch the podcast at wethepeopleconvention.org. We've got some great you know, uh, stories to talk about. I have a really important story about the Space Force and how that's not being done the way it needs to be done. And, and there's some real critical information about China and what they're doing in space that you need to hear about. And, and then I've got a story about Verizon uh, phone company and how they're blocking some of the calls that we make for candidates to voters and what a problem that is. Um, we're going to also talk about uh, the uh, great website that you can actually watch the wall construction. You can go and literally click and see it all over the, the map, what construction is being done and and where that's at. Um, We have a picture of the new design of how President Trump wants to get Air Force One painted. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, um, you know, how the U.S. is doing better than Europe with uh, climate change, quote unquote, you know, uh, having lower carbon footprint. And then I'm going to talk to you about fracking and the history of fracking and the role that the Tea Party played uh, with uh, making our country energy independent and how really the Ohio Tea Party group saved the fracking industry so that we could have this uh, energy independence today. So uh, go to the podcast at uh, wethepeopleconvention.org or on iTunes or on YouTube or any other way you want to do it. And we'll be back again next week. Um, you're listening to the We The People Convention News and Opinion Radio Show, and I'm Tom Zawistowski. The We The People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We The People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We The People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. All right, and we'll continue now with the podcast. And as I promised, I want to talk about this uh, story about the Space Force. Um, Many of you who watch and listen to this show uh, probably get the Imprimus newsletter that comes from Hillsdale College. And if you just you know look for Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S on the internet, uh, you can find the website for that. And the subscriptions are free. And they email them to you and they actually mail you a hard copy. And these are put out once a month. And, and then in the January edition, they had a, uh, an essay by a, a lieutenant general in the United States Air Force named Stephen Quast, K-W-A-S-T, about the urgent need for a United States Space Force. Now, as you all know, Donald Trump, you know, committed to doing the f- Space Force. They put money forward to do that. And everybody said, yay, we're going to have a Space Force. But unfortunately, it's not being done the way it needs to be done. And this article was very, very hard for me to read and disappointing. And I want to share it with you so you understand what's going on with the Space Force, what it, what's wrong with it, and what needs to happen, and what the threat is that it needs to address. So if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to read you a little bit from this essay. Uh, basically, the problem with the Space Force is, is that the Department of Defense and Congress think that the Air Force should build the Space Force. And that's just wrong, that the the Space Force should be on its own. The Space Force should be a separate entity because what happens is if you don't do that, well, the money you put for the Space Force gets used for things for the Air Force, okay? And so this guy makes this this comparison that is really important. He says, we have seen this kind of short-sightedness before. In the 1920s, the airplane and the tank were developed by the U.S. Army. 
Even the most respected military leaders at the time, General John Pershing and Douglas, Douglas MacArthur, opposed independent development of the airplane and the tank because they saw them as subservient to the infantry. The infantry had always been the key to military success, and so the generals would not look at anything else. These generals defended the status quo even to the point of course-marshalling General Billy Mitchell, who was really big on the airplanes, who had the audacity to say that airplane was going to change the character of war and needed to be developed independently in order to achieve its full potential. This type of status quo thinking in the 1920s resulted in the needless loss of life during World War II. More airmen were lost in European uh, theater alone than were, uh, than were Marines in the entire war. And the countless soldiers died in American Sherman tanks whose shells would bounce off of German Panzer and Tiger tanks because we had not developed them. Okay? And so we're making the same mistake. We're, we, uh, the Space Force has to defend against an enemy and that enemy is China and Russia, but mostly China. Listen to this. Today, while America is building lighthouses and light listening stations that can see and hear what is happening in space, China is building battleships and destroyers that can move fast and strike hard, the equivalent of a navy in space. China is winning the space race not because it makes better equipment, but because it has a superior strategy. The Chinese are open about their plan to become the dominant power in space by 2049, the centennial of the end of the Communist Chinese Revolution and the founding of the People's Republic of China under Mao Zedong. In China, if China stays on its current path, it will deploy nuclear propulsion technology and solar power stations in space within 10 years. This will give it the ability to beam clean energy to anyone on Earth and the power to display to disable any portion of the American power grid and paralyze our military anywhere on the planet. America is developing no tools to defeat such a strategy, despite the fact that they are spending billions of dollars on exquisite 20th century military equipment. See what's going on here? It's They are going to war in space, and we are playing politics again. And, and, and there was another story that came out this week that you, you should be aware of. Uh, this, this amateur scientist, this, this young kid who's an astronomer, put out a tweet that said, Something to potentially watch. Cosmos 2542, a Russian inspection satellite, has re recently synchronized its orbit with the USA satellite 245. And there's a picture on the website, on the webcast, that you can see. The Russians now have satellites that are in close range with our communications and military satellites that are in a position to strike them if there's a war. And guess what? We have no such tools. We've been asleep as a switch. And so President Trump is going to have to make a major change here and, and just stop this nonsense because this is serious business. The, whoever can can basically be the 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 you know the the power in space who because we're going to be lend the, the budget to Trump put forward which isn't going anywhere but it's still going to get some money is is got more money for NASA because we're supposed to put another person on the moon in 2024 because we're going to start mining in space there's trillions of dollars of value available in space well who's going to be the policeman well if it's not us it's going to be the commies and they're going to use it to destroy us and, I, and that's a story that affects you. And I wanted you to know about that. Okay? 
That's why I took the time to tell you that story. I hope you found it interesting, and I hope you'll get Imprimus. And if you go online and just search for Imprimus, you can read that full article. It's very interesting on their website at Hillsdale College. Okay, moving on to our next story. Many of you don't know that one of the things that, that I do personally is that uh, my wife and I ha- have had a company for 38 years called TRZ Communications. And we do a lot of things, including streaming audio and video. Um, you know, we stream mostly sporting events and things like that. But we actually helped invent the technology that schools use to call off when it, it snows or if there's a, a, you know, a, a problem at the school. And, and our product is called Pre-K-12 Notification. And so basically, it's, it's robocalls. And, and so when the Tea Party started, we used that technology to help grow the Porridge County Tea Party, of which I'm the executive director. And now today, Tea Party groups all over Ohio use it to communicate with their members. We make phone calls to say we're can have a meeting or we're going to meet for a, a sign wave or whatever. But we also use these calls to help candidates because when you're a challenger, when you're trying to run for office for the first time and you're running against an incumbent, they've got all kinds of money and all kinds of staff and all kinds of technology. So they can buy TV ads, for instance. They can do mass media. Most of the people we support can't. And so we've used robocall technology to help them. Well, back in November, there was a law passed that was very frightening to me. Now, And again, I know all of you hate spam phone calls. You hate calls from these people that are unsolicited trying to sell you something, mortgage or whatever. And it's even more frightening for, for senior citizens particularly. There's people pretending to be the IRS who are literally getting seniors to give them money and stuff. It's a, it's a horrible thing. In an effort to fix that, they created a law that passed in November that basically gives the phone companies, AT&T, Sprint, and Verizon, the ability to look at these phone calls that are going out from a single location and try to identify if they're legitimate or not. Okay, now again, I don't do that. That's not our business. We do this for schools that are calling the parents. We do this for churches that are calling parishioners. We do this for you know, nonprofit groups that are calling their members. But we also use this for candidates. And political calls were supposed to be left out of this new law because, again, how else are these candidates going to target the voters in their district with a message so you at least know they exist and they might have a chance of getting your vote? Well, we had a candidate make a call last week, and someone who got the call sent me this image. And this image is from their phone, and it was from Verizon. And the phone number that we use for the caller ID on our political calls was marked potential spam. Potential spam. And this was, you know, I mean, if you came up and you saw a call that came in and it said potential spam, would you answer that call? A lot of people wouldn't. And so now the voter isn't getting the message. And yeah, they may not want the message, but the candidate has a right to try to reach out to them, okay? And, and so it was prohibiting the political practices that are, you know, that are legal under this law. So thanks to Congressman Anthony Gonzalez's office, who I had been working with last summer when this law was coming out, and we made sure that these things were, were you know, political calls would be exempt from these laws. Well, I found out they weren't. They were being, you know, blocked. And so he interceded and his staff uh, interceded, and we were able to get a hold of Verizon and, and call them on this, and I think they fixed the problem. 
But see, this is the thing that's happening to us, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, you know, Google. You know, now they're starting to interfere with our phone calls. You know they're interfering with our emails. And, and we're getting less and less free. And we understand, you know, that people don't want to be hassled and all that stuff. But, but you know, those people who, you know, trade freedom for security will have neither, right? And that's what's happening here. And I wanted to tell you that story because it's a real life story that was affecting candidates that we're trying to help win. And uh, I'm glad we could get it fixed. And, and I, but I just was sorry that I had to spend all the time and effort to do it to, again, protect ourselves when the law is on our side. I shouldn't have had to do that. All right, we're going to take another short break. You're listening to the We The People Convention News and Opinion uh, podcast and radio show. And I'm Tom Zawistowski. This is Jordan Sekulow with the American Center for Law and Justice. At the ACLJ, we are committed to fighting the deep state and protecting freedom, the right to life, religious liberty, and fighting for the Constitution. The ACLJ has experienced tremendous success in litigating cases at all levels of the judiciary, from the federal district court level to the Supreme Court of the United States. We have offices in Washington, D.C., Jerusalem, and all around the world. You can find out more about the ACLJ and join us by visiting aclj.org. Did you know that the Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio is the largest statewide life group in the state? Are you tired of the compromised approach to pro-life legislation that has been the status quo for far too long? Since 2017, the efforts of the Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio has changed that approach, closing loopholes and making pro-life laws enforceable. Visit rtlaohio.org or call 440-668-4049 for details. The Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio. The proven place to go for lasting pro-life. All right. So uh, I remember last week I did mention the, uh, the Bring America Back to Life Convention in Cleveland coming up. I think it's uh, March 3rd or uh, sometime in March. So if you go to bringingamericabacktolife.com, uh, you can find the information about the convention. It's a great convention and it's, uh, it's a national convention. It's really pretty cool. So you might want to do that. Okay. Be a little lighter here uh, with some things that are, are pretty cool. Um, you know, it's just stories that I came across that I think you will find interesting. Uh, I found a website called trumpwall.construction. That's all. That's the whole website. It's, you know, you, you can put www.trumpwall.construction and it pulls up a map that's interactive, that shows every bit of wall along the southern border. And so you can see which parts are, you know, 100% done, which parts are 50% done, you know, uh, you know, what the deadlines are for that, how much more wall there is to go. I had fun playing with it. I bookmarked it so I can check in every once in a while. I think you're going to like it too. So, uh, you know, I just want to give you that little tip because that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, another uh, thing I want to show you, uh, for the first time, I got to see a uh, picture of the new design of the uh, Air Force One that President Trump uh, is proposing because they're going to buy new Air Force Ones. I guess the uh, current Air Force you know, ones that the president flies around in are, uh, I think, like 10 years old. Uh, the, uh, let's see, the Pentagon on Monday revealed the final paint job plans for the revamped Air Force One presidential aircraft, a red, white, and blue style reminiscent of the planes in President Trump's former airline. The Air Force is requesting $800 million in fiscal 2021 for the VC-25B Presidential Aircraft Recapitalization Program. It is meant to replace the current Air Force One aircraft with two new modified Boeing 747-8s, according to the Trump administration's budget uh, defense budget request. 
The new aircraft depicted in budget documents has a white top half, a blue bottom third, that's a dark blue, and red streak through the middle. And uh, it's really pretty cool. Um, basically, this replaces the, the design, the light blue and white scheme designed by former President Kennedy and First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy, uh, which I never really liked. And I could never understand what's with the, uh, the blue, right? Is that because he was a Democrat? I mean, this plane looks like the U.S. flag. It looks awesome. I think it's going to be really well received. And uh, I was happy to see that that design, you know, looks, looks you know, like the American flag and, and, and shows America, you know, red, white, and blue. I thought that was cool. Here's another story that I found very interesting. I know many of you are watching One America News. And it's because Fox News is really getting pretty lefty. I mean, they got Paul Ryan on their board. Uh, they hired Donna Brazil, the lying former DNC chairman. Uh, they have, you know, people on Fox News who are totally, you know, like Chris Wallace is a total lefty. So a lot of us have been watching One America News, which you can get on um some cable channels, we have direct TV and we can get it, but you can also get it online. But uh, a story came out this week that I found interesting. Will Trump allies buy a conservative TV news outlet OAN? Um, the investment firm, an investment firm is orchestrating a bid for from friends and supporters of President Trump to purchase conservative news network One America News. That's according to a story in the Wall Street Journal. It says that the Hicks Equity Partners is trying to pull together financing from other wealthy Republican donors to make a bid for the network for about $250 million. Hicks Equity is reportedly owned by the family of Thomas Hicks Jr., a close friend of Donald Trump Jr., and the co-chairman of the Republican National Committee. Some say the proposed purchase comes at a time when President Trump and his supporters are increasingly dissatisfied with Fox News and its failure to, quote-unquote, toe the party line. Uh, potential investors report that their interest in buying the news outlet is centered on the desire to strengthen the conservative voice in media coverage, which traditionally offers mostly liberal coverage. I've said this for decades. Uh, I actually made a proposal to the Cokes saying when the Washington Post was up for sale, you know, why don't you buy the Washington Post? Uh, I mean, it's gonna be, yeah, the Washington Post. And the reason is you know, they said, well, the newspapers don't make money. And I said, well, well, then you must not be a very good businessman because the liberals figure out a way for it to make money. So the Washington Post isn't making money as far as sales of their newspapers, but they're certainly making money by using it to, to, to get free political advertising and to beat up the president. And I always thought it was stupid that the, the people on the conservative side aren't buying radio stations and billboard companies and things like that and just conceding that to the left. So hopefully this is a, you know, a, a, you know, move in the right direction and, um, you know, it will really, you know, will really help us fight off the, you know, the insanity of the left. All right. A couple more stories. Now, one story I really liked is unlike Europe, the U.S. approach to climate change is actually working. Speaking at the United Nations in December, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi drew cheers by saying the United States was still in the Paris Climate Agreement. Green activists applauded Pelosi's defense of the imminent international climate accord, which President Trump, you know, basically threw us out of. Um, these activists claim that remaining in the Paris Agreement will help reduce global emissions, but they are wrong. European leaders have spent years trying and pointedly failing to solve the climate crisis with regulation. 
Whether intentional or not, U.S. policymakers have mostly avoided top-down solutions and counterintuitively, or perhaps it should have been intuitive, the U.S. now leads the developed world in reducing carbon emissions. It's, it's an important lesson for policymakers that the free market you know, is what does this. Instead of banning fossil fuels outright, the U.S. embraced natural gas amid a boom in its production. Thanks to a process called hydraulic fracturing or fracturing, we've managed to tap new reserves of natural gas. In 2015, the U.S. surpassed Saudi Arabia and Russia to become the world's top producer of natural gas. By 2018, energy companies produce over 60% more natural gas than they had two decades earlier. This newly found abundance of natural gas has helped our nation transition away from coal, which emits twice as much carbon dioxide. Thanks to this shift, U.S. carbon dioxide emissions have hit a 30-year low, even as global emissions have increased by 50% during the same period. And since 2005, natural gas has done more to reduce uh, power sector uh, dioxide emissions than all renewable energy resources combined, according to the Energy Information Administration. How about that? The free market, the capitalists aren't the polluters. They're not the evil destroyers of the environment because they're businessmen. They want efficiency. They're milking every possible bit of that energy out of the environment to to help make money. And it works. And Europe is failing. So don't listen to the Euro weenies. And so I want to just transition to a story that's dear to my heart and something that many of you listening to this podcast and watching this podcast don't know. And that is that the Ohio Tea Party literally played a key role in in saving fracking. I came across an article that said uh, the frack decade, uh, and it talks about, you know, how fracking was just, you know, unknown back in 2008 and 2010. And it it, it talks about how, um, you know, at that point, you know, Barack Obama and before him, President Trump were basically saying, you know, we've got to get off of oil. Uh, You know, we we can't, uh, you know, continue down this path. You know, we have no more oil. We're running out of oil. And then fracking came about. But what most of you don't know is that when fracking came about, there was an effort by the left to stop it. And, and you will, you, if you go back and look, you will see that out of Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, these communists and a very wealthy family, this woman, I can't remember her name, funded the efforts to stop fracking in New York State. And they still can't frack in New York State today to a tremendous detriment of their people, both economically and jobs-wise. They stopped fracking in New York State. And when they did that, they came to Ohio. And I can remember clear as a day when we started getting reports of the Porridge County Tea Party that that these lawyers were showing up at our township trustee meetings trying to get them to pass resolutions to stop fracking in Ohio. And so we started looking into the situation and, and there was all kinds of propaganda out there about how it's poisoning wells and people are getting sick and it causes earthquakes. And it was all bunk. I even went myself and, and, and met all day at the home of a geologist from Kent State University and his wife, and they taught me how to frack and showed me how to do it. And I knew this was bunk. And so we also knew that Ohio at that time, this is back in 2010, 11, 12, our economy in Ohio was dying. 
We were, you know, we had people leaving the state in droves. We needed this oil and gas. This was a gift from God. And we knew that it meant jobs and prosperity for us. So what happened is we started to organize against these highly paid people. And, and, and you can look this up as well. Go ahead and search and look at how much money the Sierra Club got from Russia to fight fracking. Because Russia's biggest export is natural gas. And they were using it to hold Europe hostage in the winter. They were using it against Ukraine and Poland and Lithuania and Germany. And so they were funding the Sierra Club to propagate these lies to the American public and try to get politicians to stop fracking and ban it. And they were going to do it in Ohio. That idiot John Kasich was going to do that until we got involved. And there was a movie that got put out that we helped fund called Frack Nation. And in, in this movie, it basically debunked. It followed around the propagandists on the left who were talking about lighting your, your water on fire because there's methane in it and stuff like that. And, and this movie debunked it. And so what did the, the Tea Party groups in Ohio do? Yeah, right here on the screen, I'm showing you a list of dozens, dozens of events that we put on where we showed that movie throughout Ohio all over the place, in Hilliard, in Salina, in Maumee, in Worcester, you know, all across the state, in Muskingum, in Jackson Township, Upper Arlington. The Tea Party showed this video in, in literally hundreds of venues that year and kept pressing on our, on our politicians, and they didn't pass the bans. And even John Kasich tried to tax the fracking, fracking and we stopped that. That's why... The United States is energy independent. We, the Tea Party in Ohio, built the firewall against banning fracking. And all of us are enjoying $2 a gallon. I saw $1.97 a gallon gasoline just the other week here in, in Akron because we stood up and fought, because we did the right thing. And that's why we fight. That's why we do the things that we do, right? Because it makes a difference. And that's why you listen to this show. And that's why, you know, we are going to, you know, we're going to continue to fight this year for our individual freedom and liberty and prosperity against the forces of evil, against communism, against the left and the status who don't believe in the individual, but only believe in the state. That's why you listen to this show. That's why we do this podcast. And I'm so glad that you've, you've joined us this week. I hope you will tell others about this podcast and the radio show. Tell them to go to wethepeopleconvention.org and then the yellow button on the front page, you click that and it'll give you the radio stations, it'll give you the iTunes link, all that stuff. And then sign up for our emails and please make a donation. Please make a donation. If, if you can, you can text it right now. Text FREEDOM to 22525 and sign up for our $5 for Freedom program. 225 25, text the word freedom to 22525 on your phone. Sign up and give us $5 a month so that we can fight this fight and continue to have a, a voice here in this political process in which all of our lives depend. Again, thanks for listening to the show and watching the show. We'll be getting back again next week. You've been listening to the We The People Convention, the, uh, uh, news and opinion radio show and podcast.